listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition, we're going to be discussing some of the latest transfer stories with regards to the Arsenal. We're going to be discussing Eddie Nketiah, Danny Ceballos and William Saliba, who has finally gone out on loan. He's completed his loan move to Nice, so we'll be uh, reacting to some of the fallout from that as well as touching on Danny Sabas's comments about his future. But of course, the main uh, story and the main focus on this podcast will be the future of Eddie Enketia, who is being linked with a move to Wolverhampton Wanderers. Just a quick bit of housekeeping. If you haven't already, make sure you smash the like button uh, on whatever platform it is you're joining us from. Make sure you like the video if you haven't already. And if you're listening via the audio, be sure to leave us a five-star review. Uh, also, if you haven't checked out yesterday's Kevin Campbell special, head over to uh, the ch- YouTube channel if that's your preferred uh, method of, of taking in the content. You'll find it there. It's the last video. If you prefer to listen on audio, it's the last audio upload as well. So do check that out. Lots of good insight, lots of great opinions uh, from Super Kev, and it was a really good show. So go over and check that out if you haven't already. Before we get into it, how's everybody feeling? 2021 here in the UK has lasted, well, it lasted four days and we've been plunged back into another national lockdown. Um, Fortunately for us, uh, and fortunately, not just from a financial standpoint, not just from a work standpoint, but from a, a mental health standpoint, elite sport will continue. And it gives us something to to look forward to, something to focus on, something to talk about, something to discuss, because the situation here in the UK um, is getting out of hand. It has been for a while. Um, This is not a COVID-19 show, so I'm not going to deep dive into my thoughts on why why we've ended up almost a year on in the same position that we started um, or anything like that. But it is really frustrating. And as I put out on Twitter earlier on, If you are struggling, if you need someone to talk to, the DMs are open, not just on the Chronicles of Aguna, but also on my own Twitter account as well. So feel free to drop me a message um, because I know that this is a really weird time and a difficult time for so many people. And even if you're not just struggling um, in terms of, you know, your work, you know, in terms of, um, you know, everything else, you know, it could just be worry about what the future might hold, what the near future might hold, because it doesn't look like we're going to come out of this lockdown, especially here in the UK, um, until the middle of March by the earliest, I would say. Um, And that is the best case scenario. So, yeah, um, it's looking grim. It is looking grim. But let's get back to talking about uh, the football. Let's get back to talking about Arsenal. And let's start off by talking about, in particular, Eddie Enketia, who is being linked with a move to Wolverhampton Wanderers. Now, this report um, came from, uh, I read it from the Transfer Exchange on Twitter. Um, you know, 
they they, they say that it's 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 true, and I'm not saying it's not because I don't have any um, greater knowledge on the situation. But I wanted to discuss the possibility of Eddie Nketiah and Eddie Nketiah's future at Arsenal. Let me rephrase that. I want to discuss the possibility of Eddie Nketiah leaving the club and what future Eddie may have at Arsenal. For me, I just don't think he's good enough. You know, and I've maintained that for a long, long time. This is not me flip-flopping. This is not me uh, being reactionary. This is not me having watched Fuller in Balogun once and decided that he's better than Eddie Nketiah. I have never really seen it with Eddie Nketiah. Is he a bit of a fox in the box? Yeah, I think he is. I think he can come alive in those areas and he is sharp in those areas. But does he give your team enough outside of that to warrant leading the line for Arsenal? Is he better than Alexander Lacazette? Absolutely not for me. Is he better than Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang? No. Um, I would go as far as saying that I'd rather see Gabriel Martinelli playing through the middle than Eddie Nketiah. And we know that Martinelli's natural position is from the flank. We know that's where he prefers to play. Uh, But even still, I'd still rather see him through the middle than Eddie Nketiah because there's something missing in Eddie Nketiah. And I I can't quite put my finger on exactly what it is. Um, Football intelligence, maybe. Is that what he's missing? You know, on the one hand, I think that maybe that could be it. And then on the other hand, I think that some of the positions he takes up and the way he reacts quickly to certain instances probably suggests that he's got a bit of that because he does read sometimes where the ball's going to land. He does read situations. But I feel like his movement outside of the the 18-yard box is not good enough. Um, I don't think he links up very well with other players. I think there are a lot of issues with Eddie Nketiah, but this is not an Eddie Nketiah uh, slamming session. This is not me sitting here having a go at Eddie Nketiah. I just don't think he's going to cut the mustard at Arsenal. And if this report is true, which suggests that Wolverhampton Wanderers could be looking to take him off of our hands for around about 15 to 20 million pounds. If that kind of money's on the table, I would absolutely bite their hands off because that sounds like an incredible amount of money, um, you know, f- for someone for someone of Eddie Nketiah's level. I just don't think he can bring other people into the game. I don't think he's particularly great at running in behind. As I said, I feel like he comes alive in certain situations within and around the six-yard box. But is that enough to lead the line for Arsenal? For me, no. I think you have to have a little bit more about you. And he he doesn't have that. And again, you know, when you're talking about these Arsenal youngsters and you're watching them come through, you know, obviously... You want them to do well. There's no question about that. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. I'd love to see him succeed and prove me wrong. But I just don't see it with Eddie Nketiah. I do worry um, about him. I do wonder why it is that Mikel has given him so many opportunities and not given those opportunities to others. I do wonder about that at times. We know that his loan spell at Leeds United didn't quite go to plan. We know there was... um, you know, a lack of game time, which is ultimately why he came back. And and I think that Marcelo Bielsa probably saw the same thing. And, and, and by that, I mean, saw a player who comes alive inside the six-yard box or in and around it, will get your goals, but doesn't bring you a great deal of much else. And, and in Marcelo Bielsa's case, you know, people have criticised him throughout his Leeds career, actually, for persisting with Patrick Bamford at times, even when his form... Um, hasn't always been as good as it has it is now. You know, he's done brilliantly in the Premier League. But Patrick Bamford 
brings a lot of other features uh, to the game. He brings that link-up play. He brings a bit of physicality. He brings the ability to run in behind. Very good link-up play with his teammates. Eddie Nketiah just doesn't bring you those things. And I think in the eyes of Marcelo Bielsa, when Nketiah was at Leeds United, he just felt that Patrick Bamford was the more complete striker. And, and you can't really argue with that, can you? When you look at what Patrick Bamford is doing in the Premier League now, in a week aside, let, let, let's have it right. I don't think that if Eddie Nketiah played every week, um, he'd have the goal uh, record that Patrick Bamford has this season. I genuinely don't. You know, Patrick Bamford, you know, it feels like it may be a bit irrelevant to compare the two, but he's got 10 goals and three assists in 17 Premier League appearances so far this season. Can you sit here with any degree of confidence and say that had Eddie Nketiah been playing up front for Leeds or been playing up front for Arsenal even, that he'd have got anywhere near that goal return? I can't. And that sums it up for me. Decent player, decent young player, but Arsenal is not his level. Um, and, I, and I've said that from before. Those of you who have listened to this podcast uh, for a period of time will know um, that that's been my view for a while, and this is not a, a reactionary view off the back of the reports um, that he could be he could be on his way during this transfer window. What would his departure mean? It would open the doors, wouldn't it, for following Balogun to stake a claim in this team, we've seen some signs from him in the Europa League that he's a, a very competent player. I know the Arsenal fan base have high hopes for him, as do Arsenal Football Club. There is the issue with his contract at the minute, which is due to expire in June. Um, he put out a tweet earlier on uh, in which he said, and I just made a note of it. Let me just pick it up. He said, 2021, I'm coming. And it contained all these clips of him uh, playing for the Arsenal. So maybe that's a bit of a hint as to what direction those negotiations are going in. Fingers crossed it's positive. You know, I'd love to see Balogun um, sign on the dotted line uh, for Arsenal and stay at the club. But if he does, does that mean that, that somebody has to go? And if it does, then that is probably going to be Eddie Nketiah. As I said, centre-forward options would then include following Balogun, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Alexander Lacazette, Gabriel Martinelli too. Um, and then you and, and of course Nikolai Muller is is coming through the ranks as well. Another player that the club have very high hopes for. So you do feel as though slowly, slowly the writing is 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 on the wall is becoming clearer and clearer for Eddie Nketiah. And as I said, if somebody was to offer 15, 20 million pounds, like is being suggested, hand it over. I'll drive him to Molyneux myself. Um Let's see what some of you guys are saying with regards to the Eddie Nketiah situation. Xander Russell says, Afternoon, Harry. Do you think if Nketiah does the part, we should try to insert a buyback clause? Um, no, um, is is my, my initial gut feeling on that, just because I don't think he'll ever get, be at that level where we'll be desperate to bring him back. And that's just a hunch. You know, of course, we've seen some players develop later on in their careers. You know, who would have thought Patrick Bamford? And I keep using him as an example because, you know, he, he was in direct competition with Eddie at Leeds. Who would have thought that he would be uh, so prolific in the Premier League as he has this season? I don't think anybody. So players can develop later on in their careers. Would I be desperate to stick in a buyback clause on Eddie and Ketia? Not necessarily. Um, Mr. Kipling one says in Ketia to be sold. Yes, please. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, 
Aditya says, afternoon, Harry. Honestly, I don't see Eddie being a future star at Arsenal. Like him, but he's a penalty box poacher at the moment. Needs more all-round development. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you pretty much summed up my thoughts there. Um, inside or in and around that six-yard box, the penalty spot area, Eddie Nketiah comes alive. When the ball breaks, he is sharp. He is there. He is on it. But does he give you enough overall to warrant a place in the Arsenal side. For me, he doesn't. And I've got to be honest, that is my take on that. Um, Jack the Ripper says, you're a good man, Harry. Thank you very much. And uh, as I was saying earlier, um, if you've just joined us, if anybody uh, is struggling uh, and it even just needs to chat to someone, my DMs are open, um, both on Chronicles AFC uh, and on my personal account. If I'm not following you, uh, then they do go into the requests folder and it takes me a little bit longer to get to them. And, and the reason for that is because I get so many bullshit ones um, that I have to leave that folder there because the amount of, of rubbish I get and, and sometimes abuse as well, you know, you just have to park it to the side. So I don't go through that every day. Um, but if you do drop me a DM, I will pick it up at some point um, for sure. Uh, let's see uh, what Alfred has to say. He says, I've been asking about Nicholas Muller for a while now. He's a big, tall lad who plays in the under 23s and can lead the line at Arsenal, not ahead of Balogun, of course. No, he, he probably isn't at this point, but he is a player that, as I said, the club are very excited about. Um, somebody who who looks um, a, a real handful, a real physical presence. And I've said it, you know, in recent episodes, you know, when we were talking about Arsenal's creative struggles um, over the last few weeks, one of the things I said was we needed an alternative striking option, someone who brings something different to the table, somebody physical, somebody big, somebody strong. Um, it can hold the ball up a little bit like an Olivier Giroud. Obviously, that ship has sailed. But Nicola Muller feels like someone who could be that player in the future. So um, given that Arsenal did what they did to get him, um, given that Arsenal took a bit of a punt on him, um, I think they'll be absolutely delighted uh, with the fact that um, I think they'll be absolutely delighted with the way he's progressing in the under-23s. And I look very much forward uh, to seeing uh, how he develops and, and what we can get from him in the future. Um, Jack also says, Harry, be honest, Eddie and Joe Willock won't cut it at Arsenal. I doubt even Nelson will make it. I agree. Um, and I've always said that. And I've had people tell me that I'm really harsh um, on those players. I think Willock can give you something in the sense of he's a very different midfielder uh, to the ones that we currently have. But is he at the top, top level? I'd argue no, he's not. But he does give you something different. And that's why I feel like of the three of them, he's still probably the most useful. Um, let's see what else you guys are saying on the Eddie and Ketia front before we move on. Dan Price says, I love Eddie and think he's a good Premier League striker, but I just don't think we play to his strengths, nor have we tried to develop his weaknesses to turn him into a Juru type. Best for him and us to sell. Uh, Kyle Sandu says he cannot hold the ball up front. Not a target man. Uh, Norwegian Gunnar says Eddie isn't good enough. Time to move on. Melon Scam says Eddie will never make the great Arsenal. Look at previous players we've had at his age and compare Anelka, Omri, Martinelli, Saka. Um, Matthew says completely agree, Harry. We've taken a chance on him and it's not paid off. Time to look for his replacement. Edward from Celtic would be my choice. Don Saki says he's not a baller, just an average striker. Um, Dan makes a good 
comment about Eddie and Ketty's national record. He says, you can't discount Eddie's national record. He's a good player, but will be far better off at a different club. It would really help him and help us with the funds. Yeah. And look, you know, if Arsenal weren't in a situation, um, you know, where if Arsenal weren't in a situation where, where funds were hard to come by, then you could argue that actually you should probably keep hold of Eddie and Ketia. But given the situation we're in, given that we so clearly need to strengthen this squad still, in order to raise funds to do that, if you can get 15, 20, even 10, in my opinion, million for somebody like Eddie and Ketia, you do it. You take the money and you run. Uh, a bit like Liverpool did with Rianne Brewster. Sheffield United come along. We're desperate to score goals. They go and pay over the odds for Rian Brewster. Liverpool are laughing all the way to the bank. They've got a buyback clause in there, but I can guarantee you at this point that Liverpool will not uh, be triggering that buyback clause. But why? Because Rian Brewster is not good enough. Sheffield United were willing to pay well over the odds for him, and I'm sure there'll be clubs out there who, in their desperation to score goals, will look at somebody like Eddie Nketiah, look at his record in the Europa League, in the cup competitions, and say, yeah, we'll have him, and take a punt on him. Um, for me, he's not good enough to play for Arsenal, not good enough to lead the line for the Gunners, but he can have a Premier League career. I do believe that. Um, this is not me beating the, the the lad over the head. I think he he has some talent. I just don't think it's enough uh, to become a, a talismanic striker at a place like the Emirates Stadium. That's my opinion. Um, and it seems that the majority of you kind of feel the same way as well. Um, right, let's uh, let's move on from Eddie Nketiah, just conscious of time. Uh, let's discuss uh, William Saliba. That deal is complete. William Saliba has joined Lille, uh, Lille, I've got Lille in my head, has joined Nice, uh, sorry, on loan for the remainder of the campaign. Now, there is no purchase to buy option in that, uh, which has pleased most Arsenal fans because a lot of us, although we've not seen a great deal of, of William Saliba, just have a hunch, don't we, that he, he could turn into a really solid centre-back. And fingers crossed that is the case. Fingers crossed he comes back a stronger player. But the reason I want to bring this up is because I think the club have, have shown themselves to be um, quite poor in their management of, of this situation. I, I haven't really uh, felt easy about the way that Arsenal have done this. I, I should say I felt uneasy about the way Arsenal have handled this whole situation with William Saliba, bring him in, give him the number four shirt, stop him playing in the French Cup final and then tell him that he's surplus the requirements at Arsenal. Not quite ready and you're going to try and move him out the door. We know Arsenal tried to move him out the door in October. They tried to send him back to Saint-Étienne. Um, and of course, that deal didn't get completed in time. Now he's joined uh, Nice and he'll, we hope, go out there and play some football and continue his development, hopefully in order to get himself into a position where he can return to Arsenal and he can help the side out. Um, so, yeah, uh, let's, uh, you know, let's hope that he does go out there and does improve and does continue on his journey. But one thing that kind of caught my eye over the last 24 hours or so was his former teammate, uh, Fofana, who currently plays for Leicester. And he's doing really well at Leicester, actually. Um, you know, coming out and saying he's finally free. Um, he, he put an Instagram post out and he said he's finally free. And, you know, that level of immaturity from professional footballers just isn't helpful in any way, shape or form. You know, obviously in Mikel Arteta's eyes, obviously in the coaching staff's eyes, William Saliba isn't ready. And, and to a degree as fans, 
particularly in a situation like this where we've not seen a great deal of Saliba, we haven't seen him play for the first team at Arsenal yet. You have to kind of trust the coach who sees him week in, week out. We're not talking about a player who's come into the team on a number of occasions, performed, and then Arsenal have gone, yeah, you know what? We don't fancy this guy. We haven't seen him. So we've got to trust the judgment of those who train with him day in, day out, who assess him day in, day out, um, and just accept that he's not quite ready and let him go on loan. And hopefully he improves further and hopefully, you know, we can get him get him back and, and he can make a real impact. He is still young. He's got plenty of time ahead of him. That's not an issue. But I mean... The tweet, or or I don't know if it was a tweet or an Instagram post, I can't remember, but whatever it was from Fafana um, with the message, he's finally free, combined with Saliba making jokes about it um, with Matteo Genduzzi in the past as well on social media, just for me, just shows immaturity. And perhaps it's not his ability that's led to Mikel Arteta sending him away. Perhaps, actually, it's to do with his attitude. And again, we wouldn't know that, would we? Um, but perhaps that has played a part. Perhaps that is why um, Arsenal have decided that his place is not at the Emirates Stadium right now, because there is, um, you know, there is a lot of immaturity shining through um, from a number of fronts at the moment um, when it comes to, um, you know, when it comes to to their conduct on social media and all of that stuff. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where I am on the Saliba thing. Hope it goes well. Hope he comes back and improves us. But right now, um, we haven't seen anything of him. So is he going to be a loss? No, let him go out there. Let him develop. Let him, uh, let him progress. The final subject that I wanted to touch on, uh, on this episode was Danny Sabayos, who's been talking, um, about his future. Um, you know, he's been discussing, uh, where he wants to be. He's been discussing, um, you know, his am- aspirations for the future. And of course, Danny Sabas is with Arsenal uh, on loan for the second time. Uh, of course, he spent last season on loan with the Gunners and now he's spending uh, his second year. And he was speaking to the Spanish radio show El Laguero. Um, and he was asked about it, um, asked about what he wants for the future. And he said, a third year on loan? No. My goal is to return to Real Madrid and be important at the best club in the world. I believe that one day I will come back and be able to return the affection that the fans showed me for various reasons. I didn't leave the club in the best manner. Um, He talks about how suited Zinedine Zidane is to the Real Madrid job as well. And it feels like he's just uh, brown nosing him a little bit, I think, (laughs) Um, in order to enhance his chances of going back to Madrid and playing playing a key part. But you know, Danny Ceballos' form at Arsenal has been very up and down. It's been very inconsistent. You know, there are some Arsenal fans out there that will be upset by by his comments, by the fact that he doesn't necessarily want to stay at Arsenal. He doesn't see that as his longer-term future. Me? No, not bothered in the slightest. He is on loan. And I can imagine that for every young Spanish kid growing up, your dream would be Real Madrid or Barcelona. You know, so why wouldn't he want to go back to Real Madrid? Why wouldn't he, having earned that move from Real Betis? And I bet he thought at the time that his career was just going to shoot up and be on an upward trajectory. And he's kind of taken a bit of a backward step by joining Arsenal, who, as much as I love Arsenal Football Club, are not as big as Real Madrid and not been competing for Champions League titles, etc., etc. But, you know, it, it just feels like 
this was always the way it was going to be with Danny Sabas. It was always alone. Um, our intention was to plug a hole. Danny Sabas's intention would have been to show some form, the kind of form that would get him back in the picture at Real Madrid. You know, it's Real Madrid. You know, this is not a guy saying, I want to go to Chelsea. I want to go back to Chelsea. I want to go to Tottenham, whatever. It's Real Madrid. Um, and I don't have any issue or any qualms with with Danny Ceballos having aspirations of returning to Real Madrid and having an impact at that football club, whatever. Um, he's here to do a job for Arsenal. He's here to do a job in the short term. We didn't even think that he was going to come for a second season. He did. Um you know, if we lose him, will I be devastated? No. Um, but is he an option at the moment? Yeah, he is. He is. He is an option and he's a temporary option. And he's a bit of a temporary fix. Um, let's see what you guys are saying with regards to um, uh, to Danny Ceballos uh, before we wrap up uh, this edition of the podcast. Matt Devereaux says, Danny needs to be consistent. He's playing for a contract for me. We need to see his West Brom performance week in, week out. Yeah. Um, he's got a long-term contract at Real Madrid, so I'm sure, um, you know, that isn't his concern. But does he want to stay at Arsenal? I think these comments clear up the fact that he probably doesn't and his aspirations are to go back to Madrid. Fine, fair enough, whatever. Um, as I said, I'm not overly precious about it. Um, but I want to see him perform well while he's at Arsenal. And and you're right, the West Brom performance was good. It was solid. And we need to see that more often from, from Danny. Because as I said, he's been very up and down, very inconsistent. Uh, Xander Russell says, send Sabahs back to Madrid now. Free up a place in the squad. Uh, Don Juan says, Sabahs is not good enough. Martin says, get rid of him. Guy in 80% of the times he plays is a liability. Um, Melon says, Danny Sabahs' performances and general attitude slash influence seem like such a mixed bag. I think we're better off without him moving forwards. Oh, yeah. I, I don't for a second think he's a long-term answer at Arsenal Football Club. But, um, you know, he, yeah, the, the key point here, which a number of you have raised in the chat, is that he is so up and down. Um, and that is the problem, isn't there? There is no real level of consistency with Danny Sabayos that makes you think, hold on a minute, we really need to keep hold of this guy. If we don't see it and his wishes to go back to Real Madrid, then it feels like it's best at the end of the season that both sides just part ways and we move on. Um, but again, no ill feeling, no hard feelings from me anyway. I don't know how you guys feel, but I don't blame. So I can't blame someone for wanting. For, I can't blame a, a, a young Spanish guy for wanting to go and play for Real Madrid and make an impact at that football club. I'd love to play for Real Madrid and I'm not a Real Madrid fan by any stretch of the imagination. So yeah, um, you know, I, I don't take that personally and I don't take that as a dig uh, towards our football club. And I don't think others should either, but of course everybody is open or entitled, I should say to their own opinion. Uh, Wilksy says these kind of words must be damaging to the players at this club on loan and saying that send him back. Now we want players here that want to play at this club. Um, let's see what else we've got. Harry Land says his best games were against Burnley and West Brom, which kind of says it all. A decent player, uh, but that's it. Uh, Sosa says we don't need him. I'm just picking out a couple um, at random. Uh, Danny is an average player. Uh, big hello to Nithin. He says, like the stream, guys. Yes, please do. I should have said that earlier on. If you haven't already, smash the like button. Subscribe to the channel if you're listening via audio. Leave us a review as well. Um, da -da 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 -da. Um, Aditya says, Sabios gave a lot of heart on the pitch, no doubt. 
I think at times he has. Yeah. Um, I think he's, it, I think there's always a, a, a minimum level of commitment with Danny Sabas where I, I don't ever look at Danny Sabas and think he he's not trying here, but I do think his performances are up and down inconsistent and maybe he lacks a little bit of drive um, and, and determination at Arsenal because ultimately it's not where Danny Sabayos wants to be. Um, you know, and I think that's, that's an absolutely uh, fair opinion to have and a fair view to have on Danny Sabas. But it'd be interesting to see, won't it, um, what that means for Danny Sabas in the future. I don't think there's any question. I think he will be leaving Arsenal at the end of the season, but what the future holds for him beyond that, I don't know. So uh, let's see. Right, that brings me to the end of this live edition of the podcast. Apologies, I've got a run. I've got a work meeting. Otherwise, um, I'd have stayed on for a bit longer. No doubt about that. But uh, we are going to be back again later on today. So come and join me at 4.30 p.m. UK time. Right here, same place. Uh, we're going to be discussing some more transfer stories. We're going to be taking more of your questions because I'll have more time then as well. Uh, so I very much look forward to catching up with you guys then. So 4.30 UK time, if you're watching live, uh, come and join me for that. If you're listening by the audio, then it will be the next show, of course, in the uh, in the list. So be back very, very soon with more. Until then, take care of yourselves. And most importantly, stay safe. Cheers. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.